You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What is going on, FA Nation? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. This is the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast. Recording here today, looking at best ball quarterbacks. Coop, we've broken down the wide receivers and the running back position so far. The puppy has already filled since the last time you and I had recorded that $5 tournament. So no chance into the best ball community. They could not wait. They were Jones. Training camp hasn't even officially started. And that thing filled up. So we're still on the S Ball Mania 3. We're waiting for the puppy two to come out. Best ball is certainly the way to go. Yeah, man. What I'm doing is that they actually opened up the rookie and sophomore draft, which is a lot of fun. It lets you like it's such a good outlet for getting all those young dudes that are like high risk, high reward, but you don't really want to load up too many real teams with them. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm holding off on best ball mania because we have the numbers on that and the fact that it's, you give yourself better odds when you wait until August, and that's going to be open through August. So right now I'm just doing regular leagues, and I'm doing the un, the rookie sophomore one. So that's what I got going on. I think you guys should do the same. Use promo code ALARM when you sign up. They'll match up to 100 bucks first deposit, and big prizes out there. Even for the smaller ones, a lot of them just go up to half a million, million dollars. So get in there. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's quickly taking over. They're filling up fast. Definitely check it out. And if underdog is not your thing, DraftKings has their best ball already. Drafters has their best ball. RT Sports has best ball available. BB10. There are plenty of best ball leagues available to you if you want to go ahead and partake, depending on the format that you prefer playing. Today, we're looking at the best ball ADP for the quarterback position. We're going to look over some of the top tier guys, some middle tier guys, dart throws, players we like in certain positions. I maybe debate back and forth coop on guys you like that I may not like and guys that I like that you may not like. How's that sound? I already know that there's guys that I like that you don't like, and I know vice versa. That'll be entertaining. June is that time of year where if you look around fantasy football Twitter, there's basically two types of people. There's analysts just talking to each other and subtweeting each other and just having these brutally weird arguments. And then there's the actual super fans, which I consider myself a fantasy football super fan because I'm always concerned with learning, playing, doing all that. So those are the only two things we have right now. So at least we have this outlet from Twitter to actually talk about on your dog, talk about drafts rather than get involved in the drama and nonsense going on over in the Twitter sphere right now. You know what I mean, John? Yeah, 100%. I, I observe, but I don't partake when it comes to the <laughs> fantasy football. Twitter. You send those tweets to me and then I get involved. Correct. I... <laughs> correct. You're my mouthpiece when it comes to some of the things that I see and I'm like, what is going on here? Why is this happening? I can't hold my tongue sometimes, man. It's just, I feel like I need to protect the integrity of this space sometimes. It gets a little bit ridiculous when it drifts away from talking about even sports at all to people asking what kind of condiments you're going to put on ketchup. And that's supposed to be a fantasy football account. You know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Engagement tweets to to me sometimes go a little bit too far not to go on the soapbox, but I say it all the time when I joined Twitter way back when, and the fantasy football analysts I followed, they strictly tweeted about fantasy football or I unfollowed them. And, you know, and uh, they were giving me actual advice and, and not sort of hot takes and things like that. Or, if they sent out a tweet for why they like the player, and I said, well, why do you not like that player? And they responded with actual analysis and not just they suck or a GIF <laughs> or emoji or a meme. Imagine uh, and, that, John. Yeah, actual hardcore analysis and not just, what's the spiciest thing I can say today? I'll say yeah. it. 
I don't really believe it. I have nothing to back it up, but it's going to get me the engagement I want. That's not everybody. There are plenty of people out on, on fantasy football Twitter that do the work. You have the analysis and the forethought and everything like that to back up their takes, but you know, not everybody. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it is changing because I like I are I break my own rules sometimes now. Where like I'll post every once in a while I post a personal thing. But back in the day when I first started following people, if you posted a picture of a grill or something, I'd be like, "What is this unprofessional <laughs> account?" And I would unfollow it. So now I like a little personality in there, but for the most part, like you you got you can mix in one of those tweets if your last five tweets had a statistic in it. You know right. what I mean? If you're just throwing out open-ended questions and engagement farm stuff, then forget about it. But right, yeah, my, anyway, my, my Twitter doesn't turn into fantasy football until like we're in fantasy football. Then I'll like, I'm there to answer your questions and do whatever during the off season. I'm tweeting about the Celtics usually because I cover nine sports. I'm not just a fantasy football guy. So I'm allowed to expand my, I don't know how you do it, buddy. But anyways, we're now we're talking about quarterback scoop, which is my thing when it comes to fantasy football. I cover a lot of the fantasy football quarterback content at fantasy alarm. I do the DFS fo- quarterback coach during the in season. So I tend to maybe sometimes have stronger opinions or different ways to view this position than others. You and I, you and I definitely go back and forth at times when it comes to these things. But I think we both learn a lot from one another when we do start breaking these down here's what i like best about you with your fantasy analysis but on the quarterback position is that you encompass so much more than everyone else in terms of the narrative going on around the player and around the team like because of where you're at and what you do in terms of gambling storylines the overarching over under things like that like you have information especially with the weekly start sits that other people just simply aren't factoring in like too many times i see guys go out there and talk about this matchup we'll talk about oh it's trey lance versus justin fields week one it's gonna be we're gonna find out all this mobile quarterback stuff and then you really think about that game like the way you would think about it john is this is what two unproven quarterbacks in a game that's going to have a 40 point over under that's actually not the kind of narrative. and though those are the kind of things that that when you bring that to the table it really changes my perspective because a lot of fantasy analysts out there like to live in the vacuum they like to live in this best case scenario world where trey lance runs it 20 times a game and has this monster arm every single game and the reality of football is that a lot of what goes on depends on what's around you and what you're going up against that's why i love your perspective on it that's why you're a quarterback whisperer man so i'm excited to get into this one yeah so let's kick it off we'll start at the top the clear cut qb1 spoiler alert the cover of our draft guide which will soon be released that's josh allen he's going at adp currently 29.7 so going just outside of the second round here. For me, the rushing upside is really what is solidified where his value is. It really stabilizes him because we saw stretches last year where he did struggle to throw the football at times, but his legs are what saved him. And we talk a lot about his ability, his rushing touchdown upside as much as we do his throwing upside. He isn't. He's a much better passer than he was his first two years, and we attributed that greatly to getting him better weapons around him like a Stefan Diggs to come in and catch those footballs. But when it comes to drafting a quarterback this early, Coop, it's not something I generally do. How do you approach the top end of the quarterback tier? Best ball specifics is that what we're talking about. But, you know, do you try to go in and grab a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes or something like that early? Or is it depends on how the board falls for you? Yeah, so the way I treat this position is the same way I treat tight end. And I treat it the same way both in best ball and in redraft which is with my early picks, I'm drafting guys that I think can be the number one flex player in the league until there are no more of those guys left. And the last year that 
proved to be Cooper Cup, which is a guy that went pretty far down the board. But for the most part, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, who could be the number one running back? Who could be the number one wide receiver? I want to take all those guys until that group is exhausted, and then I will consider a tight end or quarterback, which a lot of the time rules me out on Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, but it doesn't necessarily preclude me from drafting Josh Allen or even Kyle Pitts because you start getting to that point where you're looking at it and you're saying, do I want Mike Williams, who he's probably not even going to be better than Keenan Allen on his own team, or do I want the guy that could be the number one scoring player in fantasy, which is a quarterback in most cases? Same thing with you go through and look at guys like Michael Pittman, James Connors going in this range. I would rather yeah. have the top scoring overall player than James Conner. I do end up taking this guy from time to time. And Josh Allen, you alluded to there, he's the shining example of why you can't always dismiss some of these first and second year players because people forget that this guy threw 52% completion percentage his rookie year. That is brutally bad. It's so bad that he increased to 58% in his second year, and that was still good for 32nd among qualified quarterbacks. This guy went from literally terrible to merely unacceptable. And then in the third year, he took the monster jump. So when you look at guys like, we'll talk about him here, but when you look at guys like Hertz too, whoever, like you can't rule out the possibility that when they get a new piece on the team, they just, they things click and they become a better player. For me, Josh Allen's that shining example. Now, I do want to ask you, John, I think my opinion on some of these guys, but if you do take Josh Allen, are you, Diggs is already gone. Are you going out of your way to try and pair him with anybody or are you just taking the value if it comes to you, if it's the right spot? Yeah, I know stacking for is definitely a way to maximize your points, but I don't, I'm not going to do it in a sense of, I'm if I plan on drafting Josh Allen, that I am taking, I'm targeting Diggs with my first pick right that's how you have to approach this if you want josh allen you want you're going after digs or if you end up with josh allen and don't have digs and then you have to almost reach likely for a gabriel davis or hope for a dawson knox or something like that to come in jameson crowder later in drafts and hope that he's someone that can pop for you if you're looking to stack now you don't necessarily have to do that because josh allen is somebody that in his own ability is going to be the qb1 i I sometimes will go with a strategy of trying to get as many qb1 upside players as i can when it comes to best ball, I know that sounds like an obvious strategy, but it's not always one that people take. I look for guys that have the ability to be the top guys. But you don't have to stack Josh Allen with Diggs or Gabriel Davis or Dawson Knox or Jameson Crowder because he is somebody that can be productive in his own and still give you that top end production. This guy is already, if you really think about it, he's already one player stacked with another player. Right. Like this guy had the passing production of Kirk Cousins and the rushing production of practically... AJ Dillon or Leonard Fournette. I mean, like Aaron Jones, for instance, had 799 yards rushing and four rushing touchdowns. And and Josh Allen had 763 and six rushing touchdowns. Right. So he technically had better rushing production than Aaron Jones. Like absurdness. It's it, crazy, Lance. That's the upside he, for rushing quarterbacks. And that's something that you really have to start paying more attention to. Lamar Jackson a few years ago, right? Lamar Jackson came out of nowhere being taken deep in leagues, what, like rounds 14, 15. And then he figured out the passing enough and the rushing upside was leading the league in rushing. And all of a sudden now he's a QB one, he's an MVP. And you alluded to Jalen Hurts a little bit ago. Like he's somebody that I was all in on last year. I was hopeful that Devonta Smith and Jalen Hurts were going to sort of develop a chemistry there. And both of them were going to be able to succeed off of one another. 
And for as down as people seemingly are on Hurts, there's always this talk that he may lose his job. From a fantasy perspective, he was still a top 10 fantasy quarterback. He still, he completed 61% of his passes last year. He increased mm-hmm. from 52 to 61. Why are people not thinking that maybe now that they have A.J. Brown there, he might go and throw 65% of his passes this year and still give you the 800 yards rushing that he had and 10 rushing touchdowns. Like, to me, not just to skip down the tiers, but like Jalen Hurts is a guy that I have circled on my board as I don't want to get out of a draft without Jalen Hurts as my quarterback in the majority of my leagues. Spreading your roster ship around like 30, 40% of my leagues. I want Jalen Hurts to be like my QB1 because I believe that he has that ability to be a Josh Allen or a Lamar Jackson, two guys who said they who people said couldn't throw the football, and then all of a sudden they have a receiver with them and then do throw the football. If A.J. Brown stays healthy and Devonta Smith takes that nest sleep and they still have Dallas Goddard, who's to say that Jalen Hurts can't throw 65% completion percentage next year, flirt with 4,000 yards passing, increase his touchdown percentage, and then run still? Yeah. So we'll skip to that group then real quick then. And we'll come back to the... the I don't really have interest in Patrick Mahomes, not to cut back, but like it's Josh Allen, it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Justin Herbert. I like Herbert a lot. Again, where he's going, it's an investment into a fourth round pick, basically, or third round pick, depending on the league format that you're in. He runs a little bit. He's got a huge arm. But I just feel like if he doesn't have a like top overall passing statistics, right? Be a, a leader in yardage, be a leader in touchdown throws. There are just guys behind him that have greater upside. Or I think that I can get Justin Herbert numbers from a Joe Burrow who's going 40 picks later, 30 picks later. I'm not really in that tier of Mahomes and Herbert because I think that production can be exceeded by guys behind them or matched by guys behind them. I have zero of both of them. I will say this for Herbert though, and it's why I taking I'd rather have Herbert than Mahomes is that in this particular format where stacks end up being important, Herbert is the easier one to stack, right? Because yeah. Josh Palmer wasn't particularly impressive, though I want him to be. And uh, Gerald Everett is just a guy, right? I think he can be a Jared Cook type guy that scores here and there, but he's not going to all of a sudden become a focal point of that offense. So it's a lot easier to stack Justin Herbert with Keenan Allen or Mike Williams than it is to play the Patrick Mahomes guessing game with uh, with the rest of those guys. So this, John, is where I want to ask you, because so it's like you go through, jo- you have Josh Allen at one, he's going ADP round pick. 30 then Mahomes and Herbert are going essentially back to back 43 44 these next few guys I see them go bing bang boom and it's because they're the Russian guys it's because they're the guys that we've we've seen enough of it it's Lamar Jackson Kyle Murray Jalen Hurts picks 52 61 63 now because you like Hurts so much I imagine you're probably not taking a lot of these two guys unless someone's going in front for Hurts. That, I end yeah. up doing that in a lot of my leagues and a lot of positions where I just can't bring myself to take the other guy over my guy. Yeah, this would be a situation where Hurts would have to be taken ahead of me and one of those two guys would have to be on the board. If I'm picking not Hurts, I'm going Lamar over Kyler. There's just something about Kyler Murray to me. One, obviously having DeHondre Hopkins suspended for six games, plays a little bit into that. They brought in Hollywood Brown. I know they have other guys on their roster that can sort of fill that void a bit. Ertz is there, Moore is there, right? So they have guys that can be productive. And Kyler obviously runs the football. But, you know, the, he took a big step back in terms of rushing yards this past year. And I have to wonder if him getting hurt in 2020 had anything to do with that a little bit. The teams, listen, we want you to run around if it's there. But we don't want you to run because you're small. 
<laughs> like we need your, you're not good to us in the playoffs if you're hurt because you ran, right? At 5'10", 200 yards and 5'10", in quotations, he looks like he's 5'9", behind there. They need him healthy. So I wonder how much of that game plan is like, when we're in the goal line, we're giving it to Connor now. We're not having you run draws and option plays for you to get smacked by the defensive line the defensive scheme they have the goal line out there so that worries me a little bit about kyler but lamar's gonna run right like baltimore they all go for it lamar run as much as you want like we don't we have dobbins and edwards that's fine when we get down there you we're still letting you run loose murray's last for me in that group between behind jackson or hurts and i have hurts above jackson one adp two i just think that he is capable of more of what we've seen like we're only seeing the ascension in my opinion of jalen hurts now, let me give you guys one tip for redraft. This doesn't apply to best ball because of the nature of the format. But if you go and look at the mobile quarterbacks last year, it was a bloodbath, honestly. Like Jalen Hurts obviously had the angle. Kyler Murray missed three games. We saw Lamar Jackson missed a bunch of games. Yeah. And Tyler Huntley came in and played okay. So if you're in deep leagues where a lot of quarterbacks end up getting picked up and rostered, that there is some value to that idea that if your guy goes down, you can drop a bunch of fab on the backup. But we also saw Russell Wilson miss games. We saw Trey Lance had the finger. We saw Justin Justin Fields miss games. Like yep. all, virtually all these mobile quarterbacks, besides Josh Allen, missed some sort of playing time. So just keep that in mind. Superflex is becoming a popular format, right? And if you're leaning heavily on these mobile quarterbacks, you might want to make sure that you have a very solid backup plan or two because the age of guys, quarterbacks just staying in the pocket and playing the entire season are out the window now. These guys are, if they're acting like running backs, they're going to they're gonna miss games like running backs. So keep that in the back of your mind for your format, especially, like I said, those super flex or real deep bench leagues. You got to make sure you got a backup plan. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and we're talking about best ball. You should be drafting like three quarterbacks in best ball, right? Yeah. Two to three. Yeah. Roster composition. We've got the numbers. The stats are in front of us. Don't draft four. And if you draft one, you're pretty much dust. You need to draft somewhere between two and three. The builds that were most successful had two, but there were a lot of them peppered throughout that had three. So yeah. that's the way to go. Yeah. So if you're drafting a potentially high risk quarterback, like a mobile quarterback that we're discussing now, again, we're not here to play injury predictor right like we talk about no, this all the time we don't tell the future i don't draft with the assumption somebody's getting hurt you and i get into these arguments all the time with people where it's i'm not drafting the guy he gets hurt can you see yeah. the future what's the lottery tomorrow right like so you might as well hey, you should reach out to him on twitter and warn him of his pending major injury tell him to stay home don't play this year you're gonna get hurt so i don't draft that way i'm sorry i will draft based off numbers potential upside matchups whatever i'm not gonna draft off of injury now that being said, I don't, I'd never really have many shares of Will Fuller. That's just, is that because I'm yeah. predicting injury? I, I think it's just a track record of injury that has me. Uh, and steroids and suspensions <laughs> right, and right. family issues, like right. with There's different a lot players. Behind, a lot behind that. Yeah. So that's that tier, right? So we have Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts. I have Hurts above them all. Kyler Murray is the last one of that group. I just think they're protecting him. I don't even know if he wants to play there anymore. There's some weird things going on in Arizona that just has me a bit concerned. The next tier, though, right? Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. I'm curious if Brady's ADP gets impacted at all by today's news that rob gronkowski is going to retire brady has made many a player look good obviously gronk looked great when he was on the field last year a popular target of his in the end zone early on in the year he ended up 
getting hurt there for a bit. So we've seen Brady without Gronk, but knowing that there's not going to be Godwin for him there now also, that definitely takes a little bit of a blow to the office of weapons that Brady has at his disposal. Russell Wilson going to a new team. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, obviously the top two targets there for him. Joe Burrow, nothing really needs to be said there about him. He's got Higgins, he's got Chase, he's got Boyd. That's just a, a, an offense that I'm excited about. And then you have Dak Prescott. I mentioned earlier, like, I think Joe Burrow is capable of giving me what Justin Herbert gave me last year, which was 5,000 yards, like 35 touchdowns. I see no reason for that not to be what his ceiling can be. I think last year, if you look at the way the usage was on that team, Burrow himself admittedly said, like, he was still a little bit hesitant during training camp. Coming off that major knee injury, they had a little bit to work out, and they, they ran the ball a lot. And I think that was to protect Joe Burrow. But there was plenty of times where they needed him to go. He went and he put up some tremendous production. He led them all the way to the Super Bowl. Biggest issue there during the playoffs clearly was the offensive line. They addressed a lot of those offensive line issues this year to protect him. There's still another year for Jamar Chase to sort of elevate his game. T. Higgins, I think, is one of the more underrated number twos now just because Chase is sort of overshadowing him. But that dude is incredibly talented. And I don't know if there's a better number three in terms of skill, I think, than Tyler Boyd. I'm not talking production, but I think skill-wise, Tyler Boyd is a tremendous player. So I'm a big fan of Joe Burrow this year. I know that was a a hot topic on Twitter this week. We're talking best ball. If you're looking to stack, I think it's a pretty easy stackable situation to get Burrow with one of his wide receivers there. That's it for me right there. That's it for me. Gerald Burrow is the easiest pick in the world to make because you've already made it before you pick him. You know what I mean? When you take Chase or you take Higgins, Whichever one you take, you have three to four rounds before Joe Burrow's ABP. So you've pretty much, once you take Jamar Chase, you've pretty much already made that pick, in my opinion. Like when you're taking Chase, you wait two rounds or three rounds. You don't want to reach too far to get the stack. That's also been proven that it becomes detrimental if you reach for these stacks. I don't ra- but, reach any more than a round, right? Like right. If I'm drafting and I, I got to wait 20 picks between, okay, I'll grab the guy. That's when you get your guy, don't miss out because you thought you could wait Somebody else is on the same plan that you're probably on. They like the same guy you like. They'll take him before you. And that's the thing. So it's Higgins goes, and he's going 46 picks later, right? So three rounds is 36 picks. So you literally, you mark, you just mark it on the draft board. You pick him, and then three rounds later, you take Joe Burrow. Or you keep an eye on, say you take Jamar Chase. You keep an eye on the dude that picked Higgins, and you make sure that you get Joe Burrow. And if he wants to reach for Joe Burrow, then let him. You know what I mean? But that's the for me, that's how that one works. For some of these other guys, Tom Brady, I think his ADP needs to come down. Last year, he had all these weapons, even though he didn't have them the entire season. He had Mike Evans, he had Chris Godwin, he had Antonio Brown, he had Rob Gronkowski. And we're talking like all of it. Rob, uh, Antonio Brown led the league in in fantasy points per target. More than got more than Debo. I knew that stat last year when he went down with that foot injury. He was on pace for 110 receptions, like 1,300 yards. Yard. Like he was the per game leader on the uh, on the Buccaneers and like catches and yards. He was literally looking like a wide receiver one. Obviously, we know what happened there. He blew up on himself, but yeah, I'm with you, right? Who's he got coming in now? What's he have healthy for him? It's Mike Evans and what? Yeah, it's we have no Godwin. We have so Godwin's coming back off the ACL. Mike Evans is there. Russell Gage will be there. Rob Gronkowski just retired. Antonio Brown is basically forced to retire because he's crazy. This situation is not what it was last year when Tom Brady led the league in yards and passing touchdowns, and he led the league in yards. But this is where the mob- mobility is important because Tom Brady used to give you a big chunk of QB sneak touchdowns, things like that. He's not really doing that as much anymore. This guy had 
300 more yards and two more touchdowns than any other QB. He was a QB three. I just don't love him at this spot. If he falls into the spot where he's going outside the top 12 where he was last year, then I'm for it right now. Don't really love it. Not in this group. And I'm not going to mention I've, the age thing, but I mean, he is. Got to mention it. Got to 45 when the season starts, man. You're not. <laughs> hey, you're not Max Kellerman. Who's been saying the same thing for nine years now, John, you're a Patriots fan. We, we're allowed. We're allowed to say that. We like we, at some point he has to fall off a cliff. Exactly. That's where I'm at. I don't mind taking Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott, especially it's, it's reverse narratives on that with Russell Wilson. You got to take the player first, and then both the wide receivers are a pretty affordable ADP. I don't mind taking Judy or Sutton. They're so close together, you have to pick one. I've been picking Sutton because of the deep ball ability of Russell Wilson. But uh, that's the way it goes there. And then Dak Prescott's a guy, personally, I've always been a big fan, and I'm willing to take him pretty much at any point around his ADP. He's a guy I, I honestly have probably about the most of at this point, just because I want. I do want some Jalen Hurts. I have a little bit, but I just I'm. Sometimes I'm laser focused on other things or other positions, trying to set up the strategies I want to do. But Dak is a guy that I end up with a lot of. So that group to me is close together. I'll give a quick recap before we get into this, this next group. So you have Josh Allen at the top quarterback in a tier of his own, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert going back to back. That's a second tier. Then you have Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, right? Those guys, all mobile, all going to go in the same group. That's your top six. After that, you round up the top 10 with Joe Burrow, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott. That's a conservative area. This next group of guys, John, interesting to me in that I see basically a similar setup where there's mobile guys and there's safe guys, but one of the mobile guys is going ahead of the safe guys and then two more options after that. It's like you, in this range, you got to pick if you want the safe play or you want the high upside play. So basically you have Trey Lance going. I pick 89. He's the next one. I pick 11. That's the like super high risk, super high reward play. That's your Jalen Hurts from last year. Yeah. That's right. exactly that's, where he was going. He was going that's in that, the spot. that spot. So you got to make that call for yourself. I want, I'm interested to hear what you want to have say, but let me run down the AEP and then you can tear apart this group here because this is where you need to decide who you're going to be and what kind of build you want to make. Right. So you have Trey, super high risk, high reward. Then you have four guys that are as vanilla as they as it gets and john i know you like vanilla ice cream but you can get your get your john vanilla shirt in the fantasy alarm store coming soon but it's matthew stafford aaron Rodgers, Derek carr kirk cousins super high floor ceiling is man and then after that two more guys go justin fields uh to a and i think that for me they're that i kind of group them in there because of the trey lance factor that they're in that range but i want to i want to hear what you have to say about this group of guys because this is after this it drops off it becomes a lot more sporadic you can see it in the adps but in this group this is like a decision tier here whether you want to go safe or you want to go for the upside yeah i'm still a little bit concerned with trey lance he had some moments obviously last year when he was given the ability to get in there and play we know the arm talent is there but this is a guy that doesn't have a ton of experience as a starting quarterback at really either level he didn't even play at the highest level of college that's what i'm saying they drafted him purely off of the raw ability right like he's mobile he can throw far he's fast they trust his ability to read a defense but there's a lot of unknown here i mentioned this is the draft spot where you got jalen hurts last year but at least we, we i feel like we saw more out of hurts in terms of success with the eagles than we did out of land in his limited playing time there 
In terms of throwing the football, nothing was great. 57% completion percentage, five touchdowns, two interceptions. That's great. One of those touchdowns, Debo Samuel did 99.9% of the work. And that's something that has to be brought up because Debo may not be there. We don't know what that situation is for Debo Samuel and his relationship with the 49ers right now. This is also an offense that we know is tends to be run heavy. So what can we rely on in the limited sample size that we've seen out of Lance? You're drafting him purely off of this, uh, the expectation that he is going to explode in year two. I don't think that we're in for that because to me, this is really his rookie year, right? Like we only got a small taste of what Lance can do as an NFL quarterback. Teams are going to figure out a book on him. He's going to have to understand and learn on the fly a little bit. Shanahan, as much as he is respected, I think at times puts questionable game plans together as well. And while I think he's capable of utilizing Lance's skill set. If you're taking Trey Lance here, you're almost, in my opinion, going back-to-back quarterback. Like, you're taking Trey Lance, and then my next pick, I'm taking Kirk Cousins. Redraft for sure. For sure. sure. I think you're doing it in best ball, too, honestly. If Lance is a bust, you need a secure guy back there. Like, you can't draft Lance and then wait until you reach Zach Wilson or Tannehill or Mac Jones tier for your QB2, QB3, or whatever like that. Like, you you have to go back-to-back here. And you're hoping that that either Lance explodes like you're expecting, or at the very least, you're going to get the boom week out of him, and then consistently Kirk Cousins give you 20 fantasy points. And you'll settle on that. that. That's how I look at Trey Lance, and that's how I approached my Jalen Hurts drafting last year. Was I took Jalen Hurts, and then you and I talked about it like, I was drafting Derek Carr. I was drafting Kirk Cousins. That's just the rounds that they were going four or five rounds later where I was targeting these guys. So that's how you're taking Trey Lance, in my opinion, even in best ball. Because if he sucks and you're pairing him up with riskier options himself, then you're screwed. Yeah, yeah, you're... And that's not... Honestly, we've seen it enough in these tournaments that people obsess over spike weeks and upside, but the reality is that you win with a balance. Right. If you just have nothing but spike weeks, you're going to have too many down weeks in between unless you perfectly get a balance of just two guys going like up and down like Bitcoin. Like you got to have the guy that won last year. We talked about on the running back thing where he came in second last year. He only had three viable running backs, but he had Zeke and Joe Mixon that were safe all the way through the year. And then he got spike weeks out of Devin Singletary, which not how you drew it up, but it worked out for him. In this case, just like John's saying, that's the way to do it. You get the safe guy so that you have the floor and because a zero or something like that in your lineup is a crusher, especially in these big tournaments. Like you need to put up big weeks every single week through the regular season just to make it into the playoffs. And then in the playoffs, it is like they are they throw you into a huge bucket and it's one week and they're picking the very couple teams out of the top to go to the next round. And in the very last week, whatever your score is, that's where you finish. So it's you got to be crushing this section. That's why for, like you said, Trey Lance, I'm interested at the right price. I just, I find too many people are reaching for him over me. I can't get it last year. Dude, they were drafting him without a job last year. Remember? Exactly. Round nine, round 10, Trey Lance. I'm like, he's not going to start. No, but he will. He'll Yeah. week 12, week 10. Like you're going to wait till week 10 for your 10th round pick to play. What are we doing? All of a sudden, like the NFC championship playoff game rolls around and they're like, yeah, but now is the time where he's going to start. That's just not how I want to approach it. Again, I'm not going to have zero shares because if he goes off, fine. But I'm for sure stacking him with a guy right after him. Plus, where you're taking Trey Lance, if you're targeting him as your first quarterback off the board, 
you're going to have seven or eight picks before that where you should be hammering your skill position players. Get your running backs, get your receivers, and then you're feeling okay with taking back-to-back quarterback picks. Yep. Yeah. So of this group, I can tell you right now, I like Derek Carr a lot, man. Like he last year, he was fifth in the league in yards and he only had Darren Waller for half the year. They've been trying to get this guy a pass catcher for years, man. Antonio Brown comes in, freezes his feet off, calls the GM a cracker, shoots his way out of town. They draft Henry Ruggs. He's in jail. They draft Brian Edwards and they draft the kid that they ended up trading to the Dolphins there. The Lynn Bowden, right? Back guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Lynn Bo- they drafted both in the third round. Yeah. Neither one of those guys is even on the Lynn team. Bowden. What a disaster that's been. So they finally get weapons for the guy and he's been one of the most accurate guys. He, he like I said, fifth most yards in the league last year. Like, He's a guy that I think could potentially be in that Joe Burrow. And now gets a McDaniels or, offense. Yeah. Which McDaniels is- offense. Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller. It's it could be nice there. I, again, the I don't mind the choir. You and I have been talking Derek Carr. Yeah. One of the one of the first published articles I ever wrote has Derek Carr as the cover of it during his rookie season. I, I've been in on Derek Carr from the beginning. Right, and I think that's the difference between we get carried away. Like real life football, that's the problem that we run into is that this group of quarterbacks, Stafford, Rodgers, Carr, Cousins, these are good real life passers. There's no very little difference between what Josh Allen did passing the football and what Kirk Cousins did passing the football. Kirk Cousins threw for more yards per game. And the more disrespected fantasy quarterbacks out there. For no reason. I think if he's not very mobile, that really is what it boils down to the difference between in terms of passing, at least. A guy like Josh Allen and these guys, or even a Justin Herbert, because Justin Herbert is a little surprisingly more mobile than folks think. Even Patrick Mahomes ran for almost. Yeah, Her- Herbert runs for three, four hundred yards. I wonder if that tempers off a little bit, but that's the thing is that those guys I think will end up being these kind of guys. Yeah, there will be. You, Aaron Rodgers used to do that too. Remember, Matt yeah. Stafford used to never go down. So I think at a certain point you end up being that way. But I'm happy with any of these guys, especially in six point passing leagues. So you know. These guys, they're, they're pretty set and forget in terms of that. Now, we got to get to these next two guys, John. Yep. These are Now, these are the real divisive dudes. And for me, to a certain degree, I will say, these guys make me a little hesitant to take Trey Lance at his ADP because I'd almost rather wait and take a little stab on these fellas. So what do you think about Justin Fields and Tua Tagovailoa going off the board after these guys at QB 16, 17. I don't have any interest in Tua. I know that you've written a few different articles about Tua, and I understand why. He is just surrounded by a ton of talent, right? So much. And not even just the wide receivers. They added the best free agent offensive tackle in Toronto Armstead. Yeah. They got blocking tight ends. They got a tight end that gets the ball. It's all there, John. I just don't know it's if he's very there. good. I don't yeah, know if he's any good. What if he's Alex Smith, right? Alex Smith is fine. He's just not, a guy. He's just a guy. They, Alex Smith, yeah. yeah, he had some good weapons, and he took Kansas City to the playoffs, and – he ran a little bit. He had some mobility. He can make a. He was accurate. Ooh, he's accurate. Two. Uh, I'll say it right now. I'll put it out there. Maybe a controversial take. If Tua was right-handed, he'd be going at least three spots higher. <laughs> at least three. It just it looks weird. It doesn't look right. Uh, and they're not doing him any favors with some of these hype videos either, like where he's like throwing <laughs> ducks. Why like, would they put under, that on their Twitter? He underthrew Tyreek by like eight yards, and there's a duck. What are they doing putting that on their own Twitter, man? They don't know. Engagement farming. They have nothing else to look at. So so I don't know. I am less in on Tua. I'd be more willing to go at Fields, who has less talent around him, but I think he's just more physically gifted, right? Like, I believe, and I wanted the Patriots to draft Justin Fields. I was excited for those prospects. Mac Jones was perfectly fine, but I think Fields has 
a lot to bring to the table from things that they, that that game against Pittsburgh last year to me I think showed a lot where yeah. like he was making the throws the one time Allen Robinson made a catch even though he got hurt on it like that was a dart on the on like on the money must have throw and he made it and he's he's mobile they're finally got him away from Nagy like I am more excited for Justin Fields with less talent around him than I am for two with more talent around him. You want to let, I'm going to let you in on a super secret statistic here, John. This is, we discovered this on the lightning round podcast powered by fantasy alarm. We had Heath Cummings on Heath was talking about David Montgomery and we got into talking about Luke Getze and we were all like, Hey, you know what? I don't remember who Luke Getze last called the plays for. So I pulled it up looking to see which running back on the team got the most carries. Turns out it was Kylan Hill. Who's a backup for the Packers now, but we discovered in pulling this team up, the last time he called plays, Mississippi State 2018, right? The NFL leader in carries for quarterback last year was 143. It was Jalen Hurts. How many times do you think the quarterback for Mississippi State ran in only 12 games? I have no idea. Give, give me the number. Over 200 times. Jeez. 221 carries for the quarterback of Luke Getze's last college team. Now, can you do that in the NFL? No. I don't think so. I think it would be insane. I think it would be crazy because I mean that that number of carries per game would translate to 300. But it's at least gotta be. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Like it, that's a good thing for Justin Fields. No. Yeah, 100. If you think that they're gonna, the, my biggest problem last year with Nagy, and aside from everything about Matt Nagy and how he, he called <laughs> plays, was that like they, my biggest problem with Nagy was everything. It was everything. But they they rarely set up the offense to suit what his skill set was. Like. They wouldn't let him roll out of the pocket and use the mobility and and create plays and extend plays and allow guys like Darnell Mooney to get open and stuff like that. Or Cole Komet to work his way across the field and find them. Like, Fields is able to do that. Like, he has a strong arm. He can create out of the pocket. He has some mobility. But it felt like they didn't allow him to have an offense like that. They tried to keep him in a pocket with a bad offensive line. And it was just a shit show. I'm hopeful that this new offense is going to understand how to use the quarterback that they have now and tailor that to his skill set by letting him get out of the pocket. And if you let him get out of the pocket a little bit, that means that defenses have to freeze. They have to see if he's going to run or not. And then they have to make a decision. Am I going to commit to the quarterback or am I going to have to keep in coverage? And if they go to the quarterback, someone's open. If they go in coverage, he's running. But to me, I'm in on Justin Fields here. I do that play. I just think there's greater upside than Tua. We've seen Tua a couple times now. He's just been a guy. He's just been a guy to me. Nothing special. Yeah, you're with Tua. You're dra- you're. This is my take on Tua, right? If you are drafting Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle at their ADP, which is both in the wide receiver one range essentially, yeah, then you are pot committed on Tua, and you should go ahead and take him. I'm not taking Tua standalone. There's just no, there's almost no reason really. I've thrown him in the mix every once in a while. I'd say get at least one share just because he fits that, the why not idea, right? This idea, the same thing that we're saying with Jalen Hurts is that he, he has proven to potentially be mobile and with new weapons, he could potentially be better. So I say maybe throw one out, one or two out there, but I don't know. I, it, you're, I can't take him. a. It's such a narrow window of decision-making because of his ADP with fields, because I can't take him above fields. And he goes so quickly afterwards that it, it's just, it, it's if not he, something that comes to fruition. If he ran more, I would probably have more interest. But even last year, 13 games, 12 starts, only 128 yards rushing. 
that's not impressive. I mean, no, it's just it's right? not difference making. It's like, not right. Seen... If, if that was like 400 yards rushing, I'd be like, all right, you know what? Maybe there's 500 yards plus rushing upside here. Now you give him Tyree Kill. Now you, he's got Jalen. He's got all these talented guys around him. And maybe his passing continues to grow. Because, again, 67% completion percentage last year. 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Like, the, sure, there's something in the making there. They weren't great, but they're developing. I would say the other problem I have is that McDonald comes over, bringing the 49ers offense with him. And what do the 49ers do? They run the football. They signed mm. eight running backs. So, yeah, they traded for Tyreek Hill. That's great. They have Waddle. Fantastic. Great. Well, Gesicki, awesome. Awesome weapons there. But why did you sign so many running backs? Why are you bringing, you. You're bringing an offense over that likes to run the football? I'll tell you this, man. They already had. They extended the two blocking tight ends they have in Adam, Adam Shaheen and Durham Smythe. And there's a quote out there floating around that terrifies me for all the fantasy assets on this team of Mike McDaniel saying teams don't really know how to respond to a fullback and we like mixing the fullback. And if you look, they actually signed a pretty good fullback. I would consider Alex Ingold, who spent time yeah. with the Raiders, to be – I consider him to be one of the better fullbacks in the league, honestly. And, like, there's not that many. He ran he, offense at Juszczyk for how many years? I think Ingold's been to a, a Pro Bowl, honestly. There's not that many guys. So he's going to be in the mix. These other tight ends are going to be in the mix. That's why I'm staying away from those pass catchers. So after that – there's a we're basically now into the range where you just pick your poison you and I, to me i don't know if you play it like this john but who i've drafted already a lot of times will dictate who i take next you know what i mean after the top we just went through the top 17 and here's the next let's go through let's go up to the big red flag how's okay. that sound john so yeah, we got trevor right. lawrence yeah the big red flag is coming up at qb 25 here so we have trevor lawrence Jameis winston matt ryan Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, and then that's where at QB 24 right now, Deshaun Watson is going, which earlier in this offseason, he was going like QB 13. Now people are starting to realize this guy is not playing football. Again, that group, Trevor Lawrence, Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, Ryan Tannehill. That's the group going before people just say, why not? And take Deshaun Watson. So yeah. what do you think about this crew? Who do you like in this area? I think Zach Wilson, honestly. I think Zach Wilson is a guy that I have some interest in. I've said it a few times now on Alarm After Hours and the Fantasy Alarm Show. I was impressed with how the Jets have sort of started building this team with Robert Sala. Uh -huh. This isn't the old Jets where you just point and laugh and be like, oh, look at all the mistakes they're making. They're drafting out of position. They're not drafted. They're drafting guys that don't fit their offense. The coach is an idiot. Adam Gase doesn't know what he's like. No. Robert Sala is coming from a winning program. He immediately felt, in my opinion, started making the right decisions with how he decided to build the team. Amazing how he turned a 3-4 into a 4-3 so quickly. Right. What the what the heck, man? Like, crazy how he turned that over so fast, man. Best draft, in my opinion. I don't know what you think, John. I think they had the best. I, I, yeah, I, I said know? the same thing. I felt like they had the best draft. They've improved their offensive line. Obviously, they were hoping that they get some better health on their offensive line as well. Becton's like a monster of a man that guy can stay healthy they went out dude they went out and got i've been looking at the line man they drafted elijah vera tucker yep. who i loved last year because he can play guard or tackle they go out and got lakin tomlinson yeah. this offseason i mean like this team is coming they're together. building jo the core like you build which fan yeah we're patriots fans yeah. it's i'm terrified i'm we, terrified but we have to play it <laughs> unbiased man I, yeah. I can't i love to make fun of the jets it's it's a lot more fun when they're good and it's competitive but it's just like this team it's hard to argue with where they're coming from yeah. and john with what you've been you're saying here it's like you can get 
if you want to play the whole he's got everything he needs around him card with Tua, uh, this is the same card is in the deck a little bit later here with Zach Wilson. Yeah, listen, they drafted Elijah Moore last year and they drafted Garrett Wilson this year. They brought in TJ Uzoma as a pass-catching tight end, I think is how they're going to use him in this offense. I know we joked about him a little bit when he was on Cincinnati because there's just so many other pass-catching options there, but like he comes to the Jets now, he might actually be one of the top targets on this team. Now, he's still mm-hmm. going to be high and likely Wilson and, and Moore, but they also have, I'm blanking on him now, Corey Davis is on, Corey is Davis, on that yep. team as well. Yeah, I just like that they're building the offense. You got to protect your quarterback, man. Like, you build out from the line, from the trenches, you solidify that. And then it just makes everything else flow. They got Brees Hall. They have Michael Carter, who last year proved that he could catch the football if, if they decided to throw it to him. Zach Wilson wasn't really the dump-off type quarterback, but we saw White throw it consistently to the running back, and Carter had no problems excelling there. So they have the two running backs. They have the receiving talent, I think, there. We know Zach Wilson has a big arm. He wasn't put in a great position to be successful last year. He threw a bunch of interceptions, 55% completion percentage. But again, the offensive line was brutal for him last year if they get better health i trust the coach trust the coordinator trust what they're building around him i don't know man i think zach wilson has the ability to take that leap into that next tier of guys now is he going to be a top 10 quarterback no i don't i don't think so but you're not drafting him to be a top 10 quarterback you're drafting him here to give you a top 10 week a few times and that's what you're looking for Exactly, man. And that's the kind of guy where if you took if you went out and you took Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert like this is a pick that makes itself later with you take Elijah, pick Elijah Moore. If you take Garrett Wilson at wide receiver 50, so in no means do you have to even pay an expensive price for him. He's going wide receiver 50 or just outside the top 100. Zach Wilson's going 170. That's a pairing that you can so easily make. And I honestly don't even mind taking Corey Davis with like my last pick either. Corey I mean, Davis is good till they shut him down because he got hurt. But like he, he was, was good, he, man. He was, good. he was playing ninety percent of the snaps. He yeah. graded out as one of the. And this is the thing for a guy like Robert Sala that you have to consider the real life football implications. Is that Corey Davis once again graded out as a top ten run blocking wide receiver? We it doesn't get us any fantasy points, but it gets him on the field when you're sitting there deciding between Braxton Berrios and Elijah Moore. Honestly, is a pretty small dude. In certain situations, especially when you have two tight ends like Tyler Conklin and CJ Ozoma, when you're deciding who the two wide receivers are going to be to be on the field with your two tight ends, the 6'4", 220-pound Corey Davis, that's the top 10 blocker in the league running the ball, is a good choice. And guess what happens if you don't run it in? Then they throw. And that's when that's when he sneaks these touchdowns in. That's when you get those sneaky plays. So I don't mind that pairing at all, especially because it's free. Now, out of this group, if you had to pick another guy, personally— I'm not taking Daniel Jones. The guy has more turnovers than touchdowns the last two seasons. I'm not He's taking had more Ryan. coaching turnover and offensive coordinator turnover. And the Giants owner said we've done nothing but set him up to fail. And they continue to do that. The man has they, had what three coaches now and four offensive coordinators. How is that? How is he? Exactly. How is he He's supposed in, to succeed? He's in line to be the next Ryan Tannehill to go somewhere else and then have a decent career. Right. You know what I mean? But just like for me right now, I'm not trying to catch that no. falling knife. Chris no. Winston would be the only guy I think maybe I would have some interest in, but obviously he's coming off that injury there. I do what the Saints still have offensively at the receiver position. We know he's got a big arm. He put forth some good weeks before he got hurt last year. I'm not really in on Lawrence. I know number one overall pick and they're changing some things around there as well. He's the next year guy. He's the next year guy because yeah. to me, he has the skill set. 
And if this his were his second year, because you'd like to think it's his second year, but in my opinion, based on what Urban Meyer did last year, this is essentially his yeah, first. You're year. restarting. Restarting from scratch. And who's you know? his number so, one receiver? Evan Ingram, baby, let's go. Yeah, like uh, you gave a bunch of money to Christian Kirk. Cool. Kirk. Like and Marvin, Marvin Jones, Jones, 32 years yeah. old. No, he doesn't even have a topic. Yeah. So I say next next year, if he shows us this year what we hope to see then it's a next year play. But yeah, I'm with you there, man. There's just no reason to do it. We've seen Jameis. If Jameis stops limping or doing whatever he's doing, the weird stuff. Yeah, I heard he's not. I heard it like he hasn't looked good, but yeah. But last year he looked good before he got hurt. 14 touchdowns, only three picks. It's got lazy. So we'll keep an eye on him. Maybe he ends. If you hear good things, then move him up. But for right now, yeah, you're right. I I have zero interest in Matt Ryan. People, I don't know why. They're like, oh, he's out of the Falcons. Like he's good. I'm like, dude, he went to a team. That's going to run the football a bajillion times to Jonathan Taylor. And they only have uh, one wide receiver. Only let six. me add one caveat to that. I will say this, that when in 2016, the Falcons were a top five rushing team in the league. And he was the MVP of the league and was QB2. Who was now, his wide receivers? They had Julio Jones and Roddy White and, and, and all these guys. You know what I mean? So better wide receivers for sure. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just don't saying. Be surprised. Unless Michael Pittman explodes in year three. I'm, which I'm which maybe saying, he will year three wide maybe receiver paris campbell has legitimately just been hurt this yeah, whole time yeah yeah I don't i'm know. just saying i'm just saying of this group do not be surprised do not be surprised when he's the best player he doesn't have the highest ceiling he doesn't have the highest ceiling and this is a high ceiling format here i'm just saying don't be surprised when he ends up being well, don't be surprised when of this group of guys we're talking about the best guy is matt ryan as qb 14 you know I, what i mean like, i think i'd rather take jared goff over matt ryan yeah, let's get into that group now. So Deshaun Watson, just don't take him. All right, uh, can't do it. You can't do it, man. You can't do it. Uh, if it falls far enough, but they're saying that the league wants him suspended, man. For I know the, the lawsuits were settled I for the season. They set the contract up so that he could be suspended for the season. He only misses out on a million dollars. This season-long suspension, I feel like, has been in the works since February, and this has just been a big PR song and dance on how we're going to arrive there. Like everything about from the contract to the league posturing. And now the recent message hints that, Oh, the league wants a big suspension. The league is the one that suspends the players. You know what I mean? Like I, I just think they've gotten it wrong so many times on suspending players. Okay. John, you're right. This is best ball. This is underdog. Your exposure to this player should be somewhere North of 0%. And somewhere south of five percent, five percent, probably a two percent Deshaun Watson experience. Next so. time you're making a team and you hate the way it's going, draft Deshaun Watson. No, because because to your point, like he's probably going undrafted now in a lot of leagues. Right. So you so only if, have to use your last pick or two on him. If you hate the way your team looks, bite your tongue, make that your Deshaun Watson team. You know what I mean? You got to have one. But anyway, that that discussion, it's. So I'm also going to say not, this. I'm not going to not draft him because of his off-field problems. I would only not draft him if he's suspended. If the league is going to let him play, it is stupid to just not to take him off your draft board. I've seen a lot of people tweet about this. I don't know if you have as well. Being like, we should all collectively not use Deshaun Watson because of what's happening. No. That's not no. how fantasy football works. People are going to play him. And the point, like those points are going to accumulate against you. So if he's active and he's on the field for the Cleveland Browns playing football, I am going to have, I'm probably going to look to draft him because he's a good football player. That's just Dude, the way I've, it is. I've seen Joe Mixon punch a chick in the face yeah, with my Tyree own two Kimmel, eyeballs. Cream Hung, all know? these guys are still in the league playing football. So 
We yeah, made a lot I, of money drafting. There's the a lot of virtue signaling that I've seen out there lately when it comes to Deshaun Watson. I don't condone anything that he did or didn't do, but if he's playing football for the Cleveland Browns, he's a really good football player. We're not telling you to buy a jersey. We're saying 2% exposure. And at the end of the day, like, but that's where I'm getting to with this, is that we're such a rational clinical podcast with what we do and the way we go about this that even trying to speculate on something with such a high floor and such a low such a low floor and such a high ceiling it's just it's a kind of a waste of breath at this point you know what i mean everyone knows what deshaun watson is he's a freaking he's a he's a dart throw where if that dart hits then you just win it's such a it's such a messy situation it's kind of like the tyree kill a couple years ago when with the arm broken thing and he for one week he was completely out of the picture and then he signed the massive contract and everything blew over and, and anybody that drafted him during that period like, did really people well. are still drafting alvin Kamara. that guy broke a dude's face yeah he's getting suspended for sure Wait, there's people no are still drafting to. him in like the sixth round yeah that's crazy to me. <laughs> it's, I mean, like, it's just i guess though in, in a massive tournament where you're just thinking about the last couple of weeks he is he was the guy that scored six touchdowns championship week a couple right. years ago so, but, so anyways, anyway, that's that topic right get off that yeah where okay. else are you where else are you going at quarterback in this range here yeah. QB Next, 25 I'm, and below, I guess. I'm just going to knock you out the remaining starters sure. because it, it, this is the crazy part of where the league is right now is that, like, we don't even have 32 guys that I would say these guys are starters. Deshaun Watson's QB 24. We have Mac Jones, who's a starter, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Davis Mills, Marcus Mariota. That's 29 quarterbacks. After that, we're into Kenny Pickett, Mitch Trubisky. Baker Mayfield's not even the starter. Baker Mayfield's ranked 32. He's not even the starter for his own team right now. We know that. Desmond, and we know that they have Jacoby Brissett. Like, we know he needs to be moved. Desmond Ritter, Matt Corral, Jacoby Brissett. So I think before we even get into that next group, let's talk about just Mac Jones, Goff, Wentz, Davis Mills, Mariota. Actual guys. We expect them to start for the teams, and we expect them to start for the entire season. Jones, to me, I don't really find to be fantasy viable. It's too much uncertainty with the offense. I do like they got Devontae Parker. We're big Devontae Parker guys. I may even draft mm-hmm. Devontae Parker, but I don't know if I have any interest in drafting Mac Jones. Take I'll, the pieces. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. draft Hunter Henry, but I probably won't draft Mac Jones at all. I don't mind Goff. Davis Mills is interesting. Because I like Davis Mills. He was actually pretty it. decent last year. Houston's going to throw a lot, I think, in that offense. And they have some intriguing receiving talent. Nothing like totally standout, but you know, maybe something's there. My problem with Mariota is I don't think Atlanta is going to be committed to him at all. That is, he is a, he is as big of a placeholder as a placeholder could be. But this isn't a Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo situation where the 49ers were trying to win something and they couldn't really afford to let Trey Lance learn. They had to have Garoppolo manage their offense as bad as he was for as long as he could. He was obviously hurt as well. Atlanta knows they're not going to win. They have no reason. I'm not even sure it's guaranteed Mariota wins the job out of training camp. Yeah, this is a favor to Arthur Smith, right? The Mariota signing. It's a Arthur Smith. They basically told Arthur Smith, this is a bridge year. You're not winning the Super Bowl. And Arthur Smith said, can I at least bring in a quarterback that's familiar with the system? You know what I mean? So that's where we're at. And we're talking there for maybe a couple of weeks if he wins the job and then they'll be 0-3 and Ritter gets him because why not? What are you holding him back for? Of this group, man, I like Davis Mills. I'm taking Davis Mills ahead of Mac Jones, Goff, Carson Wentz. Last year, he had more. So the number 12 quarterback averaged 18 points a week, right? The Davis Mills of all the rookie quarterbacks, even though he only played like 12 games, had more 
spike weeks above that 18 point threshold than any of the rookie quarterbacks more than Mac, more than Trevor Lawrence, more than any of those guys. Yeah. So this guy, he's capable of, he had 300 yard games, a couple, three touchdown games. He's capable of very bad games, of course. But from what I'm hearing, there's not really a lot of potential. He quarterback was like a third round pick too, Stanford. Wasn't yeah. He? So it's not like he was this like six round flyer that like started or whatever that we've seen Houston sometimes cycle through. Oh, this mm. guy actually kind of has a pedigree and he went to a good school and won some games for yeah. them. And... and that was their earliest pick too. They yeah. didn't have a lot of picks, which there's a little weight to that. I know the Vikings knifed up and took Kellen Mond right before him. But yeah, so I mean that, those are the viable starters. And now we're getting into, so for, uh, to put in perspective, a, a underdog best ball draft is typically 18 rounds, 12 teams. That's 216 picks. Every one of these guys after Mariota has an ADP of 213, 214, 215. So we're talking, oh, whoops, I forgot to take a second quarterback. I'm going to take one or I'm taking a third quarterback. Yeah. Of this group, John, I know it's I know it's painful. I know it's ugly. What stabs are you taking? Do you like the Baker Mayfield or Jimmy G stabs? Do you like the Jacoby Brissett stab with the Deshaun No, Lewis? I don't. I, I, like I would maybe be more likely to take whoever wins like the Seattle job because there's still... No, yeah. I'm talking right now, John. You got to give me somebody right now. You can't say down the road in well, August. If, if Locke, give me somebody. If Drew Locke is supposed to win that job, I'd okay. probably be willing to take Locke because he has Metcalf and Lockett and, yes. and Noah Fant. Give me the talent that's around the player. I'll, I'll bet on maybe that. We saw Geno Smith have success with oh. those guys last year in his few his mop-up duty injury replacement. So Drew Locke sucks. I agree. But, you know, I, I think maybe there's some potential with the skill around him to do something okay well last question if you had to play i'm putting you on the spot here john sure you're the quarterback whisperer we got to get it from you you got gunned your head you got to pick one of these steelers quarterbacks who you got trubisky yeah i think so too, he was I think so too. a lot of people are down on him trubisky's numbers really weren't that awful in chicago again look at who his coach was Look at the organization, right. how bad they misused a lot of those, that talent around them. They used, they read, they had Coral Patterson, which I guess they were ahead of their time, but like he was taking more carries than Montgomery when they drafted mm. Montgomery with like their first pick in that draft, which is like round two or whatever. But then you have Mariota, not Mariota, you have Trubisky sitting behind Josh Allen in Buffalo and a really good offensive system. I feel like he probably learned some things. He matured a little bit. And then he goes to another team in Pittsburgh that has had an offense in place. The same system's been there. The same guys are there. They made some attempts to improve their offensive line. They have some talent at receiver. So I'm not I'm not ready to just... And they have Najee Harris, of course. So I'm not right. ready just like Trubisky as a potential bounce back play here just because people have a perception of him with Chicago. I think we've seen... Tannehill is obviously, I think, the easy one to point to. You get him away from a bad team on a bad coach and you put him in a stable system with a coach that understands what they're supposed to be doing. And you get the most out of the player. And I think Trubisky has that potential. There you have it, folks. John Pemba just said that Mitchell Trubisky going to play with Mike Tomlin is the next version of Steve Young going to play with Bill Walsh at age 30. Hey, you know what? Mike Tomlin has this way about him of dragging these teams against their will at times to winning seasons. You know what I mean? So no doubt in my mind that the Steelers are going to have games where they come out with a game plan that just surprises people. It's just Tomlin is a good coach. There's no question about it. Say what you will about the way he coaches and how it's different from Belichick. It's different from a few of these different guys, different from Pete Carroll. They're both kind of players coaches, but like this guy is a, an offensive whiz that clearly 
can I don't know who over there is scouting these wide receivers, man. But just could they just come to New England for one week and do a seminar or something? Yeah. Like how are they finding these guys consistently year after year? We're going all the way back to when they had Mike Wallace, Antonio Brown, Emmanuel Sanders. Like how are they doing that? And right. the Patriots can't take the they can't take the unanimous number one wide receiver in the first round and have him even be good. I can see it with Trubisky and of this group. He's uh, they've already pretty much hinted that he's going to be a starter. Yeah. They ditched Mason Rudolph. Like for I know you box score watching is not the way you want to evaluate talent, but if you're just looking at the three, not his rookie year, but you want to look at like the three years after his rookie season for Trubisky, he had a, a completion percentage of 65%. His total touchdowns and interceptions was 57 to 30. So almost a two to one touchdown to interception rate. Like, he there there aren't bad numbers here. He had a season where he ran for 400 yards. They just he was 11 and three in year two, eight and seven, six and three. He's a 29 and 21 career quarterback as a starter. I just think the Bears sucked, right? Do we like Mitchell Trubisky listen, now, John? Listen, Are I, we Mitchell? I've said from, since he we've gone over this since the first podcast you and I did this year. I think Trish, Mitchell Trubisky going to Pittsburgh is interesting because hey. it gets him into a system that wins. A coach that understands what's going on. He's one of the longest tenured head coaches in football. That team dragged worse quarterbacks, like you said, to winning seasons. Big Ben was a shell of himself. They have good receivers that are around him. They have a good running back. They're just improving the offensive line. Their defense is always solid. I'm just not ready to call it quits on a kid who's 27 years, who has, I think, some talent in him because of how bad he looked in quotations with what was clearly an inept organization coaching staff around him. Absurd. Yeah, it's there. We, we've seen it, man. We've seen it. That's the thing, is that quarterback is such a tough position. They're pro- I, and I've said this a million times. I'm not necessarily talking about myself, but I am. Quarterbacks that just never got their shot in the league. How many guys out there, how many Kurt Warners out there with such a limited pool of players and such a limited time to show yourself, no minor leagues, like how many quarterbacks are out there that could have been better than some of the guys we see floating around. It's just, it's it, the, I just feel like there's enough space for guys to fall through the cracks and there's enough circumstantial situations that can lead to a guy like Mitch Trubisky not getting his shot when he could be a guy. Fran Tarpet is a hall of famer that at one point was like washed out. You know what I mean? I had to come back with another team. So we, it's not a narrative that's crazy. And especially in this price range, like we're talking them up big, but we're talking about your very last pick, 214.8 right. ADP in a draft where 216 people get drafted. So if you fell asleep at the wheel and you auto picked a bunch of picks and you find yourself, you only have one quarterback, go and take Mitchell Trubisky because he's at least going to start. Yep, I'm with you there. Coop, any final thoughts here? That's it, man. It's hard to talk about. The problem with the best ball is that there's no waivers. So I guess for final thoughts, like you have to keep your eyes on, keep your eyes on the Malik Willis's, keep your eyes on the Geno Smiths, anybody with any sort of mobile upside, Desmond Ritter included, but it, but that's more of a, a redraft take. You can't afford to, to, to just completely swing and miss on these best ball picks, but keep an eye on them. You know what I mean? Cause obviously those guys, they have some mustard Ritter and uh, Willis, especially. Yep, 100% there. So that wraps it up. You get Coop and I in Discord and on Twitter. I'll have tight ends coming for you next time. Uh, Let's go. We saved the best for last with Coop, so be on the lookout for that, and we'll catch you guys later.